folks, it's a joy to have you back. Welcome to another edition of APX. My name is Chris Nell. My guest for you today is a fun one because she's done this show before multiple times, as a matter of fact. As a recurring guest, she's been very transparent about all her struggles, but now she's become superhuman with her brand new superpowers. So much, in fact, she's now using her superpowers, which is her extraordinary mind, to create what is today the Manic Movie Monday podcast. A retrospect, as it were, on all the cult films and schlock films and all the films that (laughs) one would not necessarily pay attention to, but certainly you would want to watch again. (laughs) Think Invasion of the B-Girls, Grease 2, and a host of other B-movies. That is Erin Dawn's specialty. Erin expounds on why exactly she has now delved into this passion project for her and what it has brought her in terms of enlightenment, improvement and also putting into contact with people how it has built her as a person. She's a phenomenal orator and raconteur. With that, I give to you Erin Dawn, this week's edition of The Apex Predator. Florida. say that because I just turned, <laughs> I just turned 31 and I've effectively skipped my first divorce so I was gonna say you are a baby and so that and I'm I'm allowed to say X because I, I was married but I'm starting to get aches and pains in places I never thought I had before so I'm not so sure about that young about that baby comment but in the event <laughs> <laughs> no, because your 30s are 30s are awesome. 30s are great. I mean, 40s have been they've gotten better, but when I first started my 40s, I was like, fuck this. This is not what was promised to me. This is like this is the opposite of what was promised, right? Like I felt old and decrepit and tired all the time, and I was like, and I have fat in places I didn't know there was supposed to be fat and oh lord you not a chance not a chance in heaven or hell that that would be uh, well Erin I have to be honest I mean I can understand that you're in your 40s but you don't look a day over 20 thank you that's very very sweet I'm very lucky in that I take care of myself as much as I can, as much as someone who eats eats bacon can say that she takes care of herself, because <laughs> let's be honest, right? But I drink lots of water, I stay out of the sun, I wear sunscreen, I like I just don't, I don't mess around with 
this. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you heard that prelude, that kicks off APX for the latest edition. And I'd like to start with a little premise like with what I did with Rob Kelly. If you ever heard the nursery rhyme, which I'm sure everyone knows about, it goes to the effect of Jack and Jill went up the hill. Now, take a mentally defective person and the rhyme would go to the tune of Jack and Jill went up the hill to, went to, to, to fetch a pail of water. I don't know what the hell they did up there because now they've got a daughter. Oh! The onus... <laughs> That's she made me, fabulous. She made me do... It's like a dirty limerick. <laughs> it's like the there point... once was a man from Nantucket. Yeah. Don't start. Don't start with me. <sighs> well, I started something. But in effect... What I'm trying to get at here, folks, whether you're watching or listening, we've spoken about mental health and mood disorders. If you haven't heard it when I said it on the previous show, I'll say it again for perpetuity. It's not a death sentence. And thus, I allude today to Erin Dawn. Erin Dawn has had so much of fun in her life with the ups and the downs. But what impresses me most about this girl, she can sing even better than any other operetta, female operetta singer, even better than Maria Callas. But her uh, knowledge is so encyclopedic, she can tell you that Roger Corman's favorite movie that got him into filmmaking was Sergei Eisenstein's Battleship Potemkin to even what Sybil Danning had on the morning when they were busy filming The Howling 2. And that's why I brought Erin on. She's resilient, she's humble, and a treasure trove of fun. She's also the host of the ever-popular Manic Movie Monday podcast, in which they discuss B-movies, cult movies, and even has a lot of cult stars on. So without further ado, Erin, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as always, my friend. Good to have you back. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I love I love your show. I never miss it. I love being here. I I you're my favorite interviewer, you know? <laughs> so, and that's what smooching will get you. Pro tip. See? That's the thing. <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much. That's, I really appreciate it, especially just coming from somebody who, you know, battles with, dances with, whatever you want to call it, mental illness. Um, it is not a death sentence. And I, I strive every day to try and remove some of the stigma of living with this and, and of trying to cultivate a lifestyle where I'm, I'm both mentally well, but also happy and healthy and okay in my skin. So. Well, very much so. I mean, you and I were talking before we started the show, you are what would be classified as middle age, but you've never acted. your. <laughs> Oh my God, I guess I am, right? If I live to be like 88 or something like this. So technically I am middle-aged. All right, yeah. So uh, yes, I am I am classified as middle-aged. Thank you for that. Uh, 43, actually. Um, no, 20 years old with 23 years experience. Let's not get started on that little hiccup. You're only like old that. when the candles cost more than the cake. There you In go. fact, with me having turned 31 last week, my last birthday cake looked like a fucking prairie fire. <laughs> <laughs> Happy belated birthday, by the way, Chris. Thank you, darling. <laughs> now, to be serious, you've been very transparent since the moment that I've met you that you've been 
diagnosed with bipolar mood disorder. I tend to forget which classification it is, but what has amazed me about you is where you've taken your weakness and turned it into an inculpable strength. How does that mindset work? Well, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder, which is an emphasis on the depression side of bipolar, um, along with a hypomanic state. Um, so not as intense as people who have bipolar 1 and experience mania. It is more of like a elevated mood, elevated energy level, um, but it can also be elevated anxiety talking too fast, your brain's running too fast. Um, there's a lot involved in it. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, so it, um, and, and I got diagnosed when I had five years sober. I see. I see. Um, cause usually before then they, they tend to, when you get into recovery, not want to diagnose someone right away because they don't know if they're showing signs of psychosis, which are related to the drugs that they did or the alcohol mm -hmm. addiction. Um, so they usually hold off on that. And I had operated under the idea that I had depression for my entire life, basically, probably since I was a teenager, I would say. And um, so I had been on one type of antidepressant or another for decades. And finally, one day I was just beside myself. Like I was just crying and rocking back and forth. And my mother basically said, you know, do you need to go to the hospital? And this was shortly before I celebrated five years. So it was like that couple months before that. And I can appreciate I said, yeah. that. Yeah. And I said, yeah. And then I went to the hospital and they said, do you think you want to kill yourself? And I said, yes. And they said, do you have a plan? And I said, yes. And they committed me, as they say. Uh, we, we have a, a, a word here in Florida, in the States, uh, referred to as Baker acting, which is basically like you are not allowed to go home because you were a danger to yourself. So okay. because of the Baker Act, you have to stay here for 72 hours at least. Okay. So I did, I stayed for 72 hours. And while I was there, they were like, you know, they asked me lots of questions and, you know, and they said, um, so you're bipolar too. And I was just mortified because I knew that there was a stigma attached to being bipolar. Um, Naturally. You watch any movie that was made probably, I would say, prior to maybe three or four years ago, I would say. And mm -hmm. it's a, such a, you know, crazy girl, you know, like just, mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. just all of it, you know. And I've seen Very all, any, yeah, any movie I've ever seen that had bipolar disorder in it was just like, <sighs> so, so I, I knew two things. I knew that there was going to be a stigma attached to it and that word bipolar and that I was going to be on medication that was going to make me a zombie. And that was something that I did not want. Now, mind you, I didn't really know that we've come very far pharmacologically. Thank God. Oh, yes. So there are lots and lots of different types of medication and medication combos. So but also a stringent routine that one can follow. 
Yes, but I didn't learn that from a doctor. It um when initially when I got diagnosed, it was here's your pills. This is what you're gonna do. There wasn't any lifestyle stuff at all. I got a therapist that was not an MD and was more holistic. And he mm. also in recovery taught me, you know, that this is not about taking your, it's not just about taking your meds. This is very much about your sleep schedule, what you eat, who you interact with, what you watch on television. Um, uh, a lot of exercise. internal, external stimuli. Very much so. Um, it, it's, it's almost like, imagine if your brain is just a, uh, like a, like a test tube, right? And if you put the wrong things in it, you know, wrong things happen. And like one of the things that he taught me was make sure your blood sugar is regulated. Make sure you're eating. Don't go on crazy diets, right? Don't go on any diet that's going to compromise your blood sugar. That's going to quote, starve you. It's not good for us because one of the things that will facilitate a manic episode is low blood sugar. No. I've never known that, but thank you for highlighting it. You, you're very right. We've come very far in diagnosis. And also, if I could use this expression for shorthand, proper treatment of yes. mood disorders. I'll be open and honest. I've recently discovered I've got dysthemia, which is not bipolar by any given sense of the word. It's recurring in depth, intense bouts of depression. Yes. Right? But much like with uh, BP2, you can control it or properly regulate it through uh, intake, what you eat, physical activity. Now, for me, you and I are similar in that we're both right-brained aligned. We are very much in tune with the creative side of the brain. So for me, it would be more of a fact of stimulating this consistently, which promotes not dopamine, there's another word. Serotonin. Uh, Serotonin, which promotes serotonin. Thank you for that, by the way. The word was on the tip of my tongue. Where The moment that you promote serotonin instead of dopamine, that feeling of excel to accelerate just completely shifts the mood from originally here to here. And I would be the first one to say there's power in that, knowing that what you have, now you know at least the building blocks to go forward from here on out to move forward. I believe it makes a person more mature. I think in many ways as well, even though there are challenges involved, you can overcome that hoop. And I congratulate you for the years and the time being that you've spent being vocal about the condition that you have. And I mean, this has now been how many years going down the line? And look at you today. You're a sparkling ray of sunshine. But it didn't come easy. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, It's um, a lot of times you're kind of the doctor's guinea pig when it comes to meds. So MDs will basically be like, okay, we're going to try on this combo. Okay, we're going to try on this combo. And really what it comes down to is it's what combo you can live with. It's like, can you live with being fat and sexless? 
okay, so this is the combo for you. Can you live with being completely like foggy brained all the time and not really, uh, you know, on top of things? It's like, okay, so this is the combo for you. Like you really have to learn what works for you. And sometimes something will start off being very promising and then end up being very detrimental. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a lot of constant adapting. Yes. It's constant adapting. And it's also understanding that your lifestyle can pull the rug right out from your drugs, basically like the effects of your medication are affected by what you do. So what you eat, water, exercise, sunlight, vitamins, um, or the opposite of that. Right. So like if you do nothing but like eat baked goods and, um, (laughs) and, and drink like caffeine after 12, you know, I mean, if you, you do these things, then unfortunately, um, it's going to affect your meds. It's going to affect the effectiveness of your meds. And if you don't sleep, that's going to affect your meds. And it's just like, it's all like they all work in conjunction with each other. But until you learn that you're at the mercy of your meds, you're like, why are my meds not working? I don't understand. I'm on antidepressants. Why am I so sad? Uh, you know, why is this happening? And and it's like, it's so much more than that. There's, there's like two things, right? It's like holistic medical. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, the more positive upside. And that's something that you are very, very well versed in. In fact, you shocked me when you held court with me when we started talking about the subject. You're, uh, you are the host of the Manic Movie Monday podcast. I heard that promo, by the way. I love yes. it to pieces. Um, <laughs> but you are basically self-taught in the art of podcasting today or help yeah. me out there. No, I am. So the funny thing was, um, Manic Movie Monday came to came to be because I was having a manic episode. <laughs> this was, and it was like a year ago. I wasn't, you know, uh, usually um, a hypomanic episode or a manic episode, as it's referred to, is caused by an upheaval of some sort. Now that could be a good upheaval or a bad upheaval. It could be a new job, a new relationship. Um, a new schedule, right? Or it can be a bad upheaval, a death, the anniversary of a death, a birthday, a relationship, a relationship ending. And at the time I was fired, or I should say I was let go for the summer um, by the job that I work at uh, because they just didn't have enough during the pandemic. They didn't have enough people. They just were like too many people, not enough work basically. So, uh, my friend Ron got let go first and we initially connected because he was trying to figure out the name of this bikini movie that one of his favorite punk bands was featured in. And I, always wanting to be, you know, the knower of things that other people can't find, was like, oh, it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, it's hard bodies. And I said, absolutely, it's hard bodies. Just go buy it. So 
so he sees it and he's like, yeah, that's the song. He's like, but I don't remember this movie. And I remember this movie being totally different, you know? And so <laughs> we connected on just a love of kind of underappreciated films. I should say, you know, it wasn't really, wasn't necessarily B movies. It was more like horror cult cinema and mm. things like that. So, so of course, while I'm, you know, Woohoo! I I was like, ah, we should do a podcast, you know, and, uh, <laughs> knowing nothing about podcasting. Was at this all, before right? or after you did my previous show? I have to. Oh, ask. this was well. Which okay, because there's one that didn't take, right? So so. <laughs> Don't remind me. No, no, no. I know, but I'm trying to remember because I've been on your show. I was on Have a Cuppa like twice. twice. So. After. Okay. So, so I, you know, so I had this like, you know, harebrained schemed idea or whatever. And then it just like most bipolar ideas just went into a drawer somewhere. And I ended up losing my job shortly after he lost his. And he got in touch with me and said, Hey, maybe now's the time we start that podcast. And I was in a deep depression. I, I was. Remember very dark and I was very sad and I thought, how am I going to feed myself for the summer? You know? Mm. And I had to apply for, you know, apply for food stamps, apply for, you know, all the, all the stuff. Right. <clears throat> so the whole kit and caboodle. The whole kit and caboodle. So we decided, you know, we we're like, okay, let's do this. I said, I will come up with an idea and you know, you edit it. Right. Cause I didn't know anything about anything. And we did a Jaws 3 episode where we just sat and talked about our love of Jaws 3, meaning like, you know, two of the only people on the world that will die on that hill. And, and it ended up being that we had great chemistry and, and it was, it was just a really great thing, but he was doing all of the editing, all of the music, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, I, went and found our theme song, which mm -hmm. came to be because I grew up with an artist. Well, I didn't grow up with him because he's super old, but I grew up listening to a very specific, like what's referred to as a novelty artist um, right. called Tom, Tom right. Lair. And Tom Lair had a couple really right. wild songs, one of which was Poisoning Pigeons in the Park, uh, which is fantastic because it's done in this like very like waltzy like you know like it's gonna be a great day when we're poisoning pigeons in the park you know and and but he had another one called the masochism tango and I was like <laughs> yes so I Where looked do it people up come up with these titles I know and the thing is this is from the fifties so this is not like you know modern or anything. <laughs> And I looked up oh Tom Lair, and it turns out that in Tom's old age, he decided to make everything that he had ever recorded public domain. So it was like God just gave me that, 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 yeah, absolutely. He was like, here you go on a silver platter. Here's your theme song. You don't have to worry about licensing fees or anything. It's yours. So that became the theme song. And then a couple you know, we, we kind of recorded a couple shows and we're trying to find our footing. And then Ron had to deal with some stuff personally. So I 
had to step up and learn how to edit, how to, how to change the sound quality, how to do any of that kind of stuff. And it was, you came to me asking for advice a couple yeah, of times. I remember that. I did. I did. Cause I was really scared. I was just terrified because I was like, Oh my God, you know, um, because people have lives, you know, <laughs> and things happen. And he was trying to find a job. And so, but he saved my life because he's the one sure. who pulled me out of that depression and got mm. me into doing the show. And it was just so amazing. We became, you know, he's my best guy friend, you know, mm. so mm. we, we really solidified that, but yeah, he kind of had to take a back seat. And when he did that, I had to learn how to, how to edit, how to get software and, and all, all the stuff. Right. And it was, uh, well, I mean, the first couple of times, great. You've Thank you. I appreciate great. it. I, I do appreciate it because the first couple times that I would watch and edit how to on YouTube, I would cry. Well, I can understand that, Erin. And I mean, you are number 25 on my list of people who have come to me and said, how does this content look on this Ugh, end? How does right. it sound on that end? And I appreciate it. It doesn't irritate me because the reason being is the artist is never satisfied. I see it from that prism. Look, how do you bake a cake? First, you have to use flour. Then you have to add the cocoa and, 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 and. But if you're going to do something for the very first time, and I'm saying this to you as well, who's a content creator, don't expect perfection on the first try. It's not going to work. Reason being is practice. What happens when you get on a bicycle? You're going to fall off. That's why, of course, you have tra training wheels at the beginning, and then eventually you learn how to fly without a safety net. That's ultimately how it works. But you can't expect as well, again, addressing the audience, that your content right off the bat is going to buy into the mass audience. Why? Because there's a huge galaxy out there. And I'll ask Aaron's opinion and perceptions with regards to content dissemination and content variety and the like. But with the galaxy of content that's out there currently at the moment, you have to find, you, the audience member, have to find a brand, a niche, a name that sticks to you, a host like Erin or someone like me or some of our mutual friends out there who have podcasts and content of their own, which buys to you. What we as hosts can do is purely just create content in the hope that someone will listen. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to build your own audience, but it takes time at the end of the day. Now, with Manic Movie, uh, Manic Movie Monday podcast, which I enjoy thoroughly, uh, I recently did an episode a while ago. Um, what I love about the film, the, the podcast is it's not a review podcast. It's really a discussion podcast like uh, Doug Benson goes to the movies or for that fact, even a combination of Doug Benson goes to the movies with Leonard Maltz on movies. There's a lot of in-depth discussion by specialists. You've had a couple of actresses and actors on from the certain productions. But before we get to that, I need I always wanted to ask you, how is it that you built such an encyclopedic knowledge of cult films and the like? I think it really came from being alone a lot as a kid. I, I, I really do, because I wasn't I wasn't really like a friend person like I didn't really have friends till way later and I was also like in junior high I was 
horribly bullied, like just really bad, badly bullied. So a lot of that stuff came from, you know, escape escapism, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I discovered things like USA up all night and, um, Joe Bob Briggs. Were you a fan of Caroline Schlitz? Is this version of yeah. Apple Night or yeah. of Ron well, DeShear? Ron DeShear became my, you know, my person, you know, afterwards, you know. So so she she kind of, you know, introduced me to all of these other types of films that I would have normally seen. And they were okay for me to watch because they were cut. Sure. You know. So as a kid, I'm like watching these movies. And no, they're not appropriate for any child ever. But. So what? I would watch them. And then I had. Um, I, I just had a very weird memory for being able to memorize dialogue and actors and actresses. And then I would go on like these little deep dives in the cable guide. I had like a little TV guide and which was the final for any nerd. Oh yeah. My, my favorite thing to do was like when the new cable guide would arrive and I would be like, Oh my God. And I'd open up the back of it and I'd look at all the movies that were coming on and I'd circle the ones I wanted to see and I'd plan it. You know, I mean, that was how it was. That's how it was done. Right. Before Netflix, I should add, ladies and gentlemen. Way before Netflix. So, so I think it kind of came from just being alone a lot and, Mm. you know, and then it just kind of developed into this thing that I never really thought would go anywhere i just kind of thought it would be like a fun party trick you know sure um, of course like i know da 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 and so and so is in such and such and da 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 you know like but it came in handy with the show because and it does all of a sudden naturally off the cuff like an expert there you go <laughs> We will return to this edition of APX right after this message. We'll be right back. Today's program is made possible by Jocko Fuel. For over 20 years, former Navy SEAL and acclaimed author and entrepreneur Jocko Willink has become a force to be reckoned with in the field of self-improvement. He was the unit leader of SEAL Team 3's Task Unit Bruiser and pioneered four disciplines of leadership based on his experiences as a military officer, all which would become known as extreme ownership. Some of his best-known writings as an author have included the aforementioned title as well as the sequel Dichotomy of Leadership. Other writings include Leadership Strategy and Tactics and of course Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Now you can partake in clean nutrition courtesy of Jocko Fuel. The company has an array of products in order to improve your daily performance. There's protein powders, protein drinks and shakes like that of Jocko Go, the ever-popular Jocko Milk, as well as multivitamins and supplements which are all at your disposal to perform at your optimum best. The best part? They're clinically proven and contain nothing but natural herbs and ingredients. Our audience at the Apex Predator can now get 10% off their next purchase simply by using the promo code store.jockofuel.com forward slash chris at checkout. Again, that's store.jockofuel.com forward slash chris, an official partner of the CrossFit Games. Jocko Fuel. Hard work. Clean fuel. No excuses. (laughs) 
And now we continue with APX. Unleash the Beast. This girl can never say thank you. I have to add that. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, very darling. bad about it. Yes, it's fine. Thank you very much for that compliment. I, I mean, the two things that I look for with my show whenever I'm listening to it is, is the content entertaining and is the, and is the quality good? Like, Naturally. can I hear it? And is it entertaining? Like, that's the main thing. Like, I don't ever really, cause I, I know other podcasters and they'll get in touch with me and they'll say, Oh, don't listen to this episode because you know, we had some sound issues or this happened and I wanted to fix this, but I couldn't. And I never, I never judge a podcast on that. I always judge it on its content. I always of judge course. it on, are these people that I would talk to, right? Mm. Um, you know, or, or cause, cause I think one of the reasons that the podcast blossomed the way it did is that it found an audience and people that wanted to celebrate these films and not demonize them or make fun of them or take the piss out of them as the Brits would say. Um, it really was about celebrating and it was kind of like, let's, let's be the Ted Lasso of schlock film podcasts, right? Oh, like, are you as sad as I am that Ted Lasso is finished oh, now? Don't start. <laughs> it's so upsetting. I can't. Oh, I can't. But so, what a wonderful story. I yes, really want to, I really want to show my mother Ted Lasso. I think she would enjoy it. And one of my favorite actresses is in uh, Ted Lasso. I haven't seen her in a while. Uh, Juno Temple. Who plays yes, the owner of the soccer, soccer team. Fantastic. I loved her in Killer Joe with Matthew mm -hmm. McConaughey. That's the first time I actually saw her. And, of course, a show that you and I know very well, Dirty John. Yeah, I, saw, I loved her in Dirty John, and I loved her in a movie called Afternoon Delight. That's where I've, I've never seen, seen her Afternoon before. Delight, but really an underrated character actress. Oh, and I think fabulous. in many ways she puts a lot of these uh, uh, newer generation female actresses she really makes them she can piss circles around them in my humble absolutely. opinion absolutely oh yeah she's amazing and so that's i just kind of wanted something that was joyful I, I wanted something that was joyful because i had heard enough podcasts where people just eviscerated film and mm. i was just kind of over it and i think like, in many ways as well with manic movie monday podcast you've created a niche all your own because if you look at shows of similar genre let me just name a couple of names. You mentioned there was USA Up All Night. There was Alvera, Mistress of the Dark, Sven mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, another name you mentioned, Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, Joe Bob Briggs, yep. Who's now signed up for another season of Joe Bob's Movie Drive-In. Movie uh, Drive-In at the jo – Joe Bob at the Drive-In, yep. Joe Bob at the Drive-In, thank you. They have a very satirical edge when it comes to cult cinema, but you – on the other hand, at least in my opinion, even though there's humorous elements in it, it's as if you and your guests actually really, in so many words, share your appreciation and your respect for a given production. Even if it is so horribly downright bad that it's almost unwatchable, still, you guys give up that unique selling point of, hey, give this thing really a chance. Am I right or am I wrong? Absolutely, and I think that's what happened when I brought Hillary along for the ride was she had come along for basket case and it was just supposed to be a one-time gig. It was like, I talked to her and said, Hey, come on the show. Let's do this. And we had such an amazing chemistry that 
after Basket Case, I just thought this is what I want for the show. I want, you know, uh, the back and forth between the two of us is so great. And we come from vastly different backgrounds, you know, and I'm from Florida and she's from Jersey. And, you know, we just. Oh, so so it's Southie. yeah, so it's fun to like be able to talk about our childhoods and we're only like a year or two apart, you know. So just that back and forth and then we share the recovery element too. So we're we always oh, you do talk about too? Absolutely. So we both have the same we have both had different recovery stories but the same uh, the you know the the same sort of solid um step element right you know like just Mm. the the foundation sorry the foundation is the same so so uh i had her on for reform school girls and that was kind of where i decided i just wanted her solid because um we both had the same story like we both had seen it on usa up all night you know and we both love the soundtrack and and her birthday had come along and I was like, I'm buying you the DVD. Right. So like I bought her the DVD. And so, and it's just fun to listen to us kind of just geek out over this. Right. Mm. You know, and she, she just brought an element to the show that, that hadn't been there, you know, previously. And it was nice to have someone who also shared a genuine love for the material. You know, well, that she just, you know. You're also talking to a person who has a love for that stuff. You, you've heard me expound to absolute exaggeration about William Smith. Yes. And yes. Forgive me if he's not one of your top notch, but. Yes. William Smith or Arnold, Va- Arnold Vosloo or, you know what I mean? So, don't even get me started on that. I know. That don't get me started on Arnold Vosloo. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, with all due respect, I I appreciate Arnold Vosloo if he could just do a proper American accent. I mean... He can't. He can't. He can't. It doesn't matter what movie he does. I don't care if he does an erotic thriller, an episode of 24, or a horror movie. He is 100% incapable of doing an American accent. And I have to agree with you. I mean, I'm doing voiceover work, and I can do an American accent three times as convincing as what he can. I remember uh, this was before the mummy. He did an episode of Nash Bridges. Oh dear! Yeah, and yeah. he played an American villain in that. In that's the one I've commas. seen. You know what? I saw that episode because I went through this weird Don Johnson phase, right? Where I had seen I all of the Don Miami Vice. I had seen all the Miami Vice episodes, and I downloaded all the you know dirty. Don Johnson films. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch old episodes of Nash Bridges. And that's where it ended. (laughs) And as I was about to say, he did not, he did not nail the American accent. I could hear the South African lilt in his speech. Now with respect to Arnold Vosler, he speaks with the accent that I originally was raised in. But before I went in uh, for a classical education, I thankfully, by the grace on high, shed my Africana accent. I don't speak with an Africana accent whatsoever. Otherwise, you would have heard the letter R far more pronunciated. But no, (laughs) I have to agree with you. He does not do accents very well. He's always done that Africana accent. And I'm going to say something which is going to make my kinsman turn green. But he's actually making a mockery of of, uh, the South African people as a whole. 
And oh, oh boy. But people look up to him because he's a South African actor who went over to America and he's staunchly South African and God, God love him for that, I suppose. But if you are assigned a project of high merit, one would think that you would do the necessary criteria well to not look like a parody of yourself. Oof. But I love his certain of his things. Of course, The Mummy is one of my favorite films. Uh, there was a Jean-Claude Van Damme film that was done in the 90s uh, by the name of Hard Target, starring Lance ah. Henriksen, who I yes, love very, very much. Yes, he's in Hard Target. And he's also in this really bizarre and kind of sleazy, let's be honest, um, erotic thriller from the 90s called The Finishing Touch, where he plays... It, uh, no, it's all right, it's not... It's, it's not for you. No, it's not for you at all. Um, but it's got like Ted Raimi, Shelley Hack, <laughs> Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know what, I, okay. I, don't, I don't know what hey, people were thinking. Maybe somebody owed somebody a favor. I don't know. But it's, and it's basically about a guy who is investigating a series of murders uh, that they think are being committed by this, um, visual uh artist right and that's arnold Vosloo, right he's supposed to be this like super eccentric you know like performance art but with video because it was okay. the 90s right so and then but it, then it turns out he's actually like just making snuff films and everyone thinks it's art because they don't know what right? the f i what, know what in the literal f and then Shelly Hack plays the cop's ex-wife who falls in love with Arnold Vosloo. But Arnold Vosloo is just very bad. Well, <laughs> like a very I bad did, person. I did say she's got an encyclopedic knowledge of, of movies. Right? She even puts me to shame. But speaking of Bill Smith, uh, it was Bill Smith who actually introduced me to B-movies. I'm talking of titles like Hell Comes to Frogtown with the late Roddy mm -hmm. Piper, God Rest His Soul, and plus also Maniac Cop. And I must say, I really love the, the, those trilogy of films. Uh, sure, he was only in the first one, but if you look at the talent that was in Manic Cop 2 and 3 alone, I mean, Jackie Earl Haley, uh, Robert Bruce Davey, Campbell. Bruce Campbell, mm -hmm. um, Laureen Landon, who was Sheena, I think. Mm -hmm. um, there's another name that I'm blanking out on, and I'm going to be shocked for it, but... <laughs> I, I can't think. There was it was a sure payday for actors who came from television to make the transition to the big screen, and because of the cult cinema circuit, there was a built-in audience, and it showed to potential producers that hey, maybe these people have got some talent. Let's put them in an A project so they can lure in people to the cinema, and we can make our money back. Lots of people started off on silk stockings. I mean. That was a terrible that show, show. That show was on for six seasons, okay? Six. But people started, like, there's lots of cameos, lots of starting off in Silk Stockings, and then they kind of, like, much. worked their Very way much. up, you know? There was B, there was B television. Yeah. Oh, 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 yes. Silk, Silk Stockings was, yes, Silk Stockings was definitely, it was like, hey, it's Miami Vice, but it's, make it sexy. And it's like, no. Absolutely. It's. It's not. And what about Pacific Blue? 
Pacific Blue, right? Biker cops. And by biker cops, we mean on bicycles. All right, guys, come on in. Ching, 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 ching. Ching, 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 ching. ching. <laughs> Slow down. Oh, All my right. Lord. And, in the basket. <laughs> but, like, okay, so for instance, Pacific Blue stars Darlene Vogel. Darlene Vogel started off in one of the Angel movies. She was in Angel 4, I think. And she was also a huge Fredericks of Hollywood uh, model. Like she was in every single Fredericks of Hollywood oh, yeah. catalog. And she was a very she did, picturesque woman. Right. Then she does ski school. Then all of a sudden she's on Pacific a blue movie. for a that long time. A I movie. love ski school. I'm a huge ski school fan. I love and Dean one Cameron. Name, one name in ski school that is now more better known than he was originally before is John Piper Ferguson. Oh yeah. Okay. That's funny. That's so to the funny. people who might who might not know the name, but certainly the face, think Tex Nolan from The Last Ship, think Captain Cold Stinger Taylor from Battlestar Galactica, think Bird on a Wire, or even uh, Pete Hutter from The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., also with Bruce Campbell. There you go. Yeah, he's had his hands in everything. <laughs> he's had his hand in everything. Predominantly a TV actor, but like me, always with the face fuzz, which gave him a very distinctive look. Great Canadian actor and very, very uh, down to earth. And wasn't Ski School as well with uh, Mark Harmon? No, that is Summer School. Summer School. Mm -hmm. Summer School. Sorry, I got that confused for a moment. Nope, that is okay. An interesting comment that I would like to run by you. You mentioned Ted Raimi. Um, Bruce Campbell, in fact, when his autobiography of Chins Could Kill was released, he made a comment that really made me puzzle for a moment. And the more I think about it, I actually start to think that it's actually a lot of sense that every movie is a quote-unquote B-movie. Your thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, Every movie is, I would say, every movie is a B-movie to somebody. I would say that. Because there are people who absolutely, like, if that's not your flavor, you're going to think of that as B-cinema, right? I will be totally honest with you. I have been forced to watch eight hours of Lord of the Rings, and I never want to go back. I do not I want to relate. return to that. That is not my flavor, so now granted I would never call it a B movie because I just, it's just not for me, man. Like I, I don't, but, but I do understand what he means by that in the sense that everyone, you know, everyone has their opinion. And one of my promos that we just released, one of the one promo that we released <laughs> says, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure. One man's and terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Right, exactly. So it's I think it's it's subjective, you know. Everyone's gonna look at something and go, like I I love Grease too. A lot of people hate it, you know. It's a good movie. <laughs> I love Jaws three. A lot of people they're like, Oh no, heaven forbid, you know. So I like Orca and Leviathan. Right? Oh I love Leviathan. Oh yeah. I know. It's a movie Levi that keeps you on your toes because you don't yeah, see the enemy it. at all. I'm into that. I love Leviathan. Leviathan's great. Deep Star Six is great. But there are people who would think Deep Star Six is a B-movie. And Even for though... my South African audience, if I have any, guess who makes a <laughs> turn in Deep Star Six with Miguel Ferrer? Marius Veyers. That's yes. right. 
the various Marius Veyers, who also did an episode of The Golden Girls in its final season. Ha-ha, there's a little bit of trivia ah, for you, South Africa. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> but That's fantastic. I want another two perceptions from you. In the years of yore, especially in your day, there was the rise of the miniseries, which I really mm. miss, to tell you the God's honest truth. I know. It was an hour and a half episode, stretching over six, 12 episodes max, telling a long story. Nowadays, television series, which was the second golden era of the television show, is now becoming overtly saturated. But with a miniseries, <clears throat> you had the ability to tell a complete story over a given set of episodes. The scripts were better written. There was better character development. More often than not, there was not that overblown special effects aspect that came into it, with the exception of a gunshot or an explosion here and there. Right. And there was just that little extra something in the miniseries. Nowadays, it's not a miniseries anymore. It's a limited series. <laughs> right. It's a limited series. Tell me your thoughts series, on no. that. Because back in the day, it was like we had Lonesome Dove. We had It. We had the Thornbirds. Um, we had, I, I loved, I, absolutely. I fucking loved the miniseries. And that was part of, you know, like when we would come and, and spend the night for the summer and we would, we'd stay, stay summers out at the beach and there was always some miniseries on, right? And it was like Lincoln, you know, or, or Mary Todd or whatever. It was like, it was like, you put it on one night and then you'd be like, oh, we got to see what's going to happen tomorrow night. Right. It wasn't like it just extended. It was like, it was like, you know, night number one, night number two, night, you know, sure, um, sure. and it was just, it was, it was interesting. I liked that and it made it much more, it just, it was fun. It was just a fun thing. And now I think, I, I feel like everything is just so readily available, you know, like Too readily everyone's available like, for my taste. Like, I'm going to download seven, 70 episodes tonight you know, like, <laughs> instead of being like, oh, we have to wait till next week. Absolutely. And if you want a really good miniseries, uh, something I didn't add in my previous statement as well, sometimes the miniseries, or more oftentimes I should add, was actually a perfect breeding ground to be able to dramatize historical events. I recently visited the miniseries Holocaust. Terrifying, Ooh. terrifying series. That one from 78 with uh, James Earl Jones, Rosemary Harris, yeah. uh, Meryl one. Streep, and Michael Moriarty. Oof. Not an easy watch. And then, right. to make, then to make matters worse, what did we watch right after finishing Holocaust? Nuremberg with Alec Baldwin. Oh, and, Nuremberg. I was uh, going to say that or Andromeda Strain. <laughs> I've never seen Andromeda Strain. What is it oh. about? Oh, it's it's a very you know virusy. Um, oh, I thought it had to type. do as well with Second World War because I'm no no just very upsetting. Like oh, I'm talking about just very upsetting <laughs> miniseries that came out. <laughs> <laughs> Andromeda Strain, as well as The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, you know, the, those were the ones that came out where you're just like, oh my god, god. you know, like people. Well, what about you, the Chaos Factor with Stephen Dorff and Sophia Miles? Oh wow, yeah, that's taking me back. Jeez, but about the origins of the Ebola virus. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff, man. I love uh, Contagion. Uh, the um, I couldn't get into that. Oh, I 
Absolutely loved it. Fifteen minutes. Wait, hold on. Hang on. Let me make sure it's the right one because I, 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 I'm just making sure. Contagion is, is the one, but with uh, Jude Law and uh, Lawrence Fishburne, directed by C Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, no, that's the one. No, and I love it. And we watched it during the pandemic because I think I had oh, seen clever it in move. theater. Right. I think I had seen it in the theater, but then when we all went into lockdown and we were stuck at home, I was like, let's watch Contagion. And we started watching it and it was really like, oh, because Soderbergh is a, is a, is an acquired taste. Let's be honest. Yes. Most people yes. do want, want to sit through three and a half hours of drug stuff to get through traffic. Right. And I'm sorry to but, say he can't direct action movies. I mean, I expected yeah, so much from Haywire with uh, uh, Gina Carano. But yeah. He made it look like a bloody soap opera. Yeah. Soderbergh is he's he's more a talkie, so to speak. He's more about the, you know, the, the sex lies and that. videotape. You know, he's very much a, di a dialogue guy. You know? Did he Where do sex lies and videotape? Oh, yeah. That's Soderbergh's first movie. You kidding? No, that's his. That's his, that was his very first one. An opinion from me to you before we go completely off topic. You know who his, <laughs> you know who marries his style in many ways? David Cronenberg. Huh. Oh, yeah. Cronenberg does. Because yeah. if you want a movie that's worse than Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and this is actually a movie that I enjoyed, and you wouldn't Crash. see me. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Right? I but... love that movie. But yeah, it's it's very. But that's the thing is like it, it's it's Soderbergh is like, hey, let's get inside people's brains, and then Cronenberg's like, but we can. Cronenberg's like, let's get inside people's bodies. And he makes the movies <laughs> with an easy to look feel. That's what drew me to drew me to Crash. Yeah, I read about it a couple of years prior, and I never in my life thought that I would get the opportunity to see it. And I was at an antiques bazaar where I would normally buy my LPs, and there was a movie I desperately wanted to buy called Playing God with David Duchovny of X-Files. Oh, Files. yes, David Duchovny. Yes, huge. And it, it was a three-in-one box set with Crash, Playing God, and then a movie that Malcolm McDowell made, which I've never watched, called The Butler or The Barber or something like that. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the title. I've, oh, and... Okay. and, and uh, it's uh, the funeral, Abel Ferrara, with uh, Christopher Walken and Chris Penn. Ah, okay. And when I well, saw Crash, I thought, okay, let's give this a try. And one minute became two, two minute became three, three became thirty-five, and I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I must say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you take a movie like Rabid, which really is Contagion. It's mm -hmm. just contagion with a little bit of sleaze. <laughs> I mean, Six you, can't put, you can't put Marilyn Chambers in a movie and just be like, oh, you know, <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. So, so it's, it's like, it is, it's contagion with sleaze. Um, but it has this very beautiful look to it, you know, and mm -hmm. it may, it does. It makes it really easy to watch it. it it's not an uncomfortable watch at all. And something I want to add as well with what we were talking about earlier with certain people looking at things like a B-movie and whatnot, an opinion I want to share and then you, with your knowledge on the genre, can either rectify me or add on. 
I recently had begun watching a lot of films that came out of the stable of EFO, who did the last number of Bruce Willis films up until the time of his retirement. Okay. Uh, um, and plus also did the two sequels to Escape Plan, starring Sil Sylvester Stallone. And I have to tell you, they even a lot more better than what some other A movies are of the two aforementioned actors. Great camera work. Dialogue might not have been completely 100%. Great sound mixing. And I think that will be the new in for new talent to make their mark. Is is action films or action, be action? <laughs> be action, action, whatever you action. want to call it. Yeah, to be. Yeah, Tubi has has kind of given has it's the changing of the guards, you know, and and Tubi has sort of ushered in this this new generation of filmmakers that are making horror films again and, you know, for nothing, for just nothing, you know, and and some of them are very entertaining. I mean, they are. you know, I'm a very I'm like I was telling my boyfriend the other day. I was like, I don't like things that are shot on digital. <laughs> I, I'm also I, a 35 year old person. I like a very and I said, and because of this, when I see that something is shot on digital, I shut down and immediately not like the movie. I said, so for me to like two digital movies in a row last night uh, is a big deal because normally I'm just, I'm a, I'm a snob when it comes to the cinematography stuff. I'm just like, I hate that. So, you know. As am I. And I've worked behind the lens, so I can judge. I know. I'm like, I can, I can see it. I can see it. I can see the digital. I hate it. You know, um, or, or, or that the effects are done uh, by CGI. That would be the other Aaron shut And that's down a dead moment. giveaway. Oh, that's yeah. a dead giveaway. Uh, I hate it. And I, have I to hate agree it. with you on the <laughs> cinematography. Sorry, I, I want to shoehorn this in here because even when I worked on digital camera, I was trained to not let the camera call attention to itself. Meaning that if you're going, if you are going to use elaborate camera tricks, you have to pre-plan it very carefully in the storyboard before you execute it, because otherwise you're wasting time and you're wasting money and you have the threat of actually taking that budget way over, over blow. Where my right. attitude when I was behind the camera as a producer was, let's get that same type of, of effect, which is first class, but let's save money. But try mm. and telling that to personnel Ugh. and the line. And they always Forget have it. fucking words <laughs> to tell you back. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's true though. It's 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 so hard to, you know, because I have people ask me. They're like, "Who's who's your who's your web host for your uh, show?" And I'm like, "RSS.com." And they're like, "Oh, you don't have a like you don't have a podcast like a host website or whatever." And I was like, "Am I supposed to?" You know, like I don't like I said, I'm still learning. Especially now, I'm learning the advertising element of it. I I don't know jack shit about somebody told me to check my stats the other day and i checked them and i was very pleasantly surprised but we don't do this to make money like of course we are very much this is a creative endeavor i i get to hang out with my with my dear amazing wonderful friend hillary 
on a king size bed with a with one mic and we just share it back and forth back and forth um and and then i edit it and it's like that's it <laughs> like i don't i i i don't have any lofty goal of you know like we're going to we're going to get discovered and someone's going to give us thousands of dollars to do this show and it's like no i mean i have had um i have We've had an offer. We had an offer to be like a a new like a startup company's flagship, you know, podcast, but it would also require us to turn over the rights of it. And I just and then they was would like, have to tell you how to yeah. reduce what content you are supposed to put on. I know, and I'm 43, which means I don't look at dollar signs anymore. Like I don't look at money and go, oh my god, of course you can take my baby. Here, take my baby. Just do whatever okay. you want with I my baby. I hear what you're saying. I like thought you I were underpricing yourself there. I would have thought no, you no. not seeing dollar signs. No, but like I look at it like, no, this is my art. Like you of can't course. take my art. Of you know, course. Like, I get my control and this is mine. I don't want anyone else to have it. It's we're lucky in that, you know, thank God for all of the platforms that podcasting allows because absolutely, you know, we can, you know, we can touch hundreds of people. <laughs> you know, we, it's nice to be able to be uh, essentially what we say is like, we're small, we're small fish in a big pond. Sure. sure. And thankfully that rather than a square peg in a round hole, as yes. we start to wind down, Aaron, what is your vision? Let's say roughly about two, three years down the line with Manic Movie Monday podcast. Where do you see it going? In what direction? I see, I see people wearing t-shirts that say manic movie monday um and i see uh, a lot more uh cast reunions i just did a cast reunion for out of the dark which was oh nice amazing i had seven people on there i know i know it trust me talk about lofty goals right but and i did it and it was so successful and I felt so good about myself after I pulled it off because it's really hard. And the day up until the moment we recorded, I didn't think anyone was going to show up. <laughs> I didn't because Hollywood people don't RSVP to shit. Well, they don't. I mean, you send goodness. them messages and you're like, hey, can't wait to see you guys tonight. Smiley face emoji. And nobody responds. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there in a black and red dress on camera, sweating my tits off because it's Florida and it's hot. And I'm like, oh, black? my God. Right. And I'm like, I really hope they show up, you know. And then all of a sudden the Zoom starts going bink, bink, bink. Bink, and they're all showing up five minutes till they're all like immediately showing up. And I'm just like, Oh my God, it's really fucking happening. Right. And, and I mean, I'm sitting there with my little note cards that I've been working on for weeks and it ended up being just effortless and seamless. And I turned the editing over to Ron. Like I had edited it for content and then I handed it over to him. I said, make this sound pretty. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, you really didn't need that much done to it, but here, you know? And so he's come back in more of a producer, mm. you know, um, uh, role. And so he's been, you know, like I said, I don't know what I do without Ron. Like we leaned on each other for so long and, and he really, we always say he's the Buckingham to our Knicks. 
You know, like <laughs> me and Hillary are just two Stevie Nicks's, right? We're just like, let's write poetry about witches. Wee! And then Ron comes in and goes, okay, let's let's make this like make sense, right? Like let's let's make this appropriate for people to listen to. Let's make this sound nice. Let's let's make this coherent. You know? <laughs> and he does a damn good job. And and by the way, ladies, he is single. So I'm just getting it out there. Anyway. <laughs> if you ever need a reference, call Aaron. That's Aaron, right. uh, I, ne- I didn't have the opportunity to say this, but I understand Medic Movie Monday podcast has now done an, an anniversary episode. Yes. Yes, we have actually airing tomorrow, uh, Monday the 10th, because uh, I'm not really sure when this will drop, but on Monday, July the 10th, uh, we have a Q&A episode, which will feature Hillary and I answering fan questions. And it was really cool because we came with our own questions too. So like she had questions and I had questions and we didn't know what other people, what our, what our questions were going to be. So that was really wonderful. And uh, we read some reviews and then we gave shout outs to other podcasts that had been so instrumental in helping us get our feet wet too. So it was, it's fucking awesome in my opinion. And yes, it will air tomorrow. So it'll be dropping on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon music and wherever you find your podcasts. And please do yourself a favor, check it out. Manic movie Monday podcast. I can highly recommend it. Not just because I know Aaron and because (laughs) I've been on the show. Uh, It's really every geek nerd aficionado's wet dream. True. Even if I have to say so myself, Erin is an outstanding orator. I have said to her in private conversation that she's actually Mr. Calling. She's a fantastic orator and host, and I would highly, highly recommend, and I'd like to request our audience to visit Manic Movie Monday podcast. Wet your teeth on some of the episodes. They are marked according to the title of a given movie. You are getting your money's worth and then some. Leonard Moulton, who... Q Heron Dawn. <laughs> and and let this be a firm reminder to those who are currently in the grips of mental health stigma and plus also in mood disorder. You have seen and or heard a walking talking example of someone who's in the same shoes as you are and who has made her previous weakness into her superpower. And she's making money off of it. Treasure troves of it. Don't let her, right. don't let that cute face convince uh, you otherwise. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. No. I, I, I wish. I, I really do. I wish. I, I w- it would be great if that was a thing. But like, I, I, I don't know. I've looked into doing like voiceover work and stuff, but I have absolutely no idea how to get started with something like that. Although everyone's telling me they're like, you know, you got to take classes, and I was like. Yep, and I'm done. (laughs) You don't need to. You don't need to. If you can read a storybook convincingly, you can do voiceover work. Trust me, I've been in the business now for more than six years, and I've never taken one voiceover acting class, and I'm doing voiceover work for anime. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the. But there's a will, there's a way. Is it would be so nice to to make money at that, and and I, you know, I, I know that I'm not meant for cubicle life. Right. Like I've been in cubicle life for a while and, and, 
you know, uh, it's one of my favorite Smith songs, which is frankly, Mr. Shankly, you know, it's frankly, Mr. Shankly, this position I've held, it pays my way and it corrodes my soul. <laughs> but uh, Aaron, from all of us here at APX, congratulations on the Manic Movie Monday podcast. And Thank to you, you and Hilary, many more successful streaming episodes and a lot more money to the both of you. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to remind you that always through initiatives like this, through initiatives like Manic Movie Monday podcast and through initiatives like Erin, you remain an unbreakable mind, an unstoppable force, an untamed spirit, and above all else, an army of one, an apex predator. God bless everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.